Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Morning Shot Uncut, the weekly podcast from the Morning Shot YouTube channel. With me is Byron from Kibuki or wherever. Hello, Byron. Hello, everyone. How are you enjoying Gangster's Paradise? I believe you don't have a mayor, or your mayor doesn't have a matric. Actually, I live, in Johannesburg. I live in Johannesburg, and it just come out that the mayor of Johannesburg does not have a matric, and I think this is aspirational. It just shows school doesn't define you as a person. Drop out of school, become a mayor. I mean, like, think about the history of the world. Steve Jobs dropped out of university. Bill Gates dropped out. And the mayor dropped out. And look, now he's mayor. Like, you know, don't hold yourself back. And the funny part is that your last mayor was obviously uh, kicked out because he didn't know what a loan was. And uh, now this mayor has been kicked out because, uh, well, apparently he's constantly sick. His sick leave is like, wow, man. And uh, even when he does come to work, he doesn't have a trick. So him actually, the funny part is, didn't he say on TV that there's somebody asked him about his education? He said, well, actually, I'm the John Steenason of Johannesburg. Problem is, mate, you don't even have a trick. So technically, John's actually better qualified than he is. That is absolutely correct. But, you know, Al Jamar, the party he represents, did vet him. They asked his mom if he was a good guy or not. And she said, yes. I mean, I don't know what more do you need, Byron. Don't, don't come here with your Western tendencies and look at like, you know, credentials and <laughs> degrees and stuff. This is Africa. We do things differently. If your mom says you're a good guy, you're a good guy. That's all you need. And we have no reason to disbelieve his mom. Africa, mate. Yeah. <laughs> like, Africa. Hopefully the audience feels like we do. They just dumbfounded it's, it's like the shit show currently in in that side of the world is just astronomical i mean if you think about it you had swane where you had the last mayor who was a, a cope mayor who basically created a fraudulent document to say that he had been rehabilitated from his uh, bankruptcy yeah. who then had to resign in shame because everybody saw that there was no such court that he claimed to have been represented in and I was like, really? We did a whole podcast on it where the actual, we looked at what he had faked and the whole thing was just dumb. And it was like, so obviously a fake. It wasn't even a good fake. It was a stupid fake. Then you had your ISIS mayor, your last one, who got booted out to be replaced by, who's the other dude they, they replaced him with? And then he got kicked out and that's an ISIS mayor again. And this guy probably going to get kicked out. And then you got Kenny Kanene, who's PA mayor, like, what a shit show in Johannesburg, man. What What's going on? I mean, it's only the most important economic location in South Africa. I mean, you know, not that important. <laughs> not that important. Well, what's going on, Byron, is TIA, right? This is politics in Africa when you don't have a sort of a majority party. And this is what South Africa is going to be like for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. And you, you can tell that the ANC is quite nervous about this because they're just going on full Stalin, right? Like there's, they're going completely crazy, completely mad. The NHI, the water regulations around blacks, and then lastly, the BE amendment bill. I mean, all these things are so obviously retarded and yet they're still pursuing them. It's like what, the last kick of a dying horse. That's the only thing I can think of. Well, funnily enough, I actually got asked about the NHR stuff today. And they said, oh, I see some rando asked me about it and said, um, I see they passed it. I said, well, it's very curious because the ANC has passed it. But 
it was highlighted by the ANC's own parliamentary caucus that the actual bill was unconstitutional. So the question you have to ask yourself is, does it actually, actually ANC actually want it? Because they know immediately, like they passed it, but it's unconstitutional on day one, which means that technically the bill that they passed is actually null and void. It's actually not valid. It's actually going to get booted off the books and they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. The minute they go back to the drawing board, well, we've got another five years of negotiations probably on the horizon. That's after we've had 10 years of litigation to get it to be unconstitutional. So the entire thing doesn't make sense. Why would you pit all of your eggs in the basket that basically says, look about these great laws and legislation that we passed, only to have it all reversed on the basis of being unconstitutional? It doesn't make sense. The whole thing seems dumb. But we've seen that even with the BE bills, as we know, is a key component of the constitution, which basically says that South Africa has to be non-racial. Now, we can have a degree of positive discrimination in order for the purpose of economic uplift. We know that that is a provision in the economy, uh, in the constitution. But these bills are basically race quotas. Now, they've been highlighted as a target. I don't know about you, Ramon, but I never saw a target that actually had to be in an act of parliament. It generally don't have to work that way. Targets are just targets, right? They're just ambitious. Yeah. It's like, imagine if you're a salesperson, you say, okay, you need to hit target, which is 100,000 rand a month. If you don't hit 100,000 rand a month, we'll fine you 50,000. That's not a target. That's like a quota. That's like that, something that's bad happens if you don't do right. it. So there's people that say, oh, but it's just aspirational targets. Bullshit. If I don't hit your aspirational target, I get fined 10% of my turnover. Come now. Yes. And so you may recall that I made the argument um, during some of our own engagements with individuals that if you had a target and your target was that you want to target me to win the Olympics, that's great. I'm never going to. But if you find me for not winning the Olympics, I'm going to call that unfair because I'm never going to be able to win it. Yeah. And so you can't kind of go, yeah, but it was only a target. It's only a target until I'm fined. So the actual idea that this is a target that requires an act of parliament is, is bizarre and will no doubt be deemed by the constitutional court as an actual quota. And as we know, race quotas in South Africa are illegal. Yes. So it's very curious why the ANC still feels the need to push the legislation. I mean, I saw the other day the Wicked Witch of the West, Lami Zuma, came out saying actually defending these targets saying yeah but they, they they're good they're good for our people why are you why are you getting upset with them like we thought you had just i don't know had water spilt on you and you had withered away old bag but apparently she's still around and she's defending these be targets yeah and it's curious and she says uh because it's only been 29 years of undoing 300 years of oppression so we right on t- on target to use her words to say that. Well, I think that the real thing that's happening in the ANC is it's obviously a leadership, leaderless organization. And no doubt the South African Communist Party, which is sort of Ibrahim Patel and Praveen Gordon and various other ministers in there, Tula Singlesi, who's the Minister of Labor, they basically are running the show, at least in terms of policy. The president has, as we said numerous times, has quietly quit. He goes to see like, you know, people dying of cholera once every six months. And that's basically his job. Everything else is being done by his ministers. Most of them are commies. And therefore the ministers are like, well, no one's telling me otherwise. So I'll just go full-blown NDR 2.0, the National Democratic Revolution. And that's what's happening. Like, I don't even know if Cyril actually sort of knows what's going on. 
half the time. I don't know if you ask Cyril what a goer is. I don't think he would know. If you ask Cyril what are, so, yeah. what is the amendment bill, he'll be like, "It straight as be okay." What way? Oh, I don't really know. But you signed it, yeah. But they told me to, so I did. That's the feeling I get. And this is the feeling I get myself, but also from sources that I know, which are diplomatic and otherwise. Like Cyril's just not anywhere. It's like. It's like he's quietly good. He's given up. He's just there because he's there. That's all. And I think we can see that because all these things lack strategy. There's a lack of understanding of how these things will actually work or be funded. And and most importantly, they are fucking stupid. <laughs> but they're still continuing. That's my theory. I, no, I would agree with you, although I would disagree with you in that Cyril has is nowhere to be seen. Cyril is everywhere to be seen, mate. But Cyril seems to have said, well, the parts of my job that I really enjoy, which is going to the conferences and brown nosing foreign dignitaries, I'm going to do that because that's fun. Yes. I get to travel the globe on my expense account. But the part of his job that he doesn't enjoy, such as making policies, getting actual coherent acts of parliament, reviewing acts, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he wants to do that. I mean, how boring is that? He's nowhere to be seen on that stuff. So I suppose the first question that we should then naturally ask is, as you very rightly pointed out, who's actually point who's pulling the strings? And it does appear that the only people that are actually in a driving seat now in the ANC are the communists. Mm-hmm. The South African Communist Party is just like, well, it's our time to shine. Nobody's actually stopping us from doing this stuff. And it does feel to me like the balance of forces, which the ANC have used for a very long time to see whether or not we should employ certain legislative change, it's just being ignored now. The companies are like, uh, usually we go out and we tell the public, we think you're doing this. And when they all tell us to footsack, we like, oh, we didn't really mean it, right? It was just a test. Now the companies are like, well, we're doing it anyway. We don't really give a shit whether you're happy with it or not. So it does, to me, feel like the balance of forces has is being ignored because the people who would typically rely on it are absent. They're not They're not there. They're not part of the ANC anymore. Yeah, and yeah. That, for me, shows me that the Communist Party within inside the ANC has taken over the ANC, as we've rightly said, because it's Cyril's nowhere. So the question then is, well, where does this put Paul Machatile? Is Paul Machatile going to reverse these things? Is he going to be a different kettle of fish? Based on my sources, Paul is quite pragmatic and very corrupt, so he wants to enrich himself at all, at all costs, but he's very pragmatic about it. He's not a hardcore ideologue as far as I understand. But the interesting thing is sort of the ANC is being run by the SACP, but the presidency is being run by business, right? So Cyril in the last week had the CEOs of, you know, whichever corporate say around the table at the union buildings and they're building workflows and flywheels. And I don't know what the hell they're talking about half the time. I tried to read a post by Adrian Gore on LinkedIn, the CEO of Discovery. And it's basically chat GPT. Like if I say, make me sound like a corporate drone on chat GPT, it would spell out what Adrian Gore wrote in LinkedIn. So the presidency is run by corporate SA, which is headed up by this awful Teflon dwarf called Martin Kingston, who made his money by giving several BE deals. And he's the CEO of Rothschilds. So on one hand, you got the ANC being run by the commies and you got the presidency being run by corporate SA who thankfully are not commies. 
but coherence zero like fuck all coherence whatsoever and and i'm wondering to myself if this is how they govern how on earth are they going to run a campaign or the elections do you think they like even care to do like a good campaign or to win the next election there's just overwhelming sense of ah all i want to do is go you know to ibiza sit on my yacht for the next 20 years and spend all the money i stole from south african taxpayers I, d- I disagree with only one element, and that is that they they currently want to just go now and sit there. I, I feel that they want to steal a little bit more so that when they go sit on their yacht, they can at least have some Ibiza babes with them. Um, and at the moment, the, the difficulty becomes what's left to steal because there's not really a lot left to steal. So they're trying to think up new ways like NHR in order to steal more shit. Um, but the rest of it I agree with. The, the problem, I suppose, inevitably becomes for South Africans and that the majority of the South Africans, and we spoke about this earlier today, look at the situation and go, okay, well, where's the bottom of the barrel? How far down the barrel are we actually going to go? Are we actually at the are we at the bottom? Is there only, is there only the way up now? I've seen numerous posts and analysts, analysts going online basically saying, well, we're near the bottom. So there's only the way up now. I mean, as we discussed earlier, I don't, I don't think we are at the bottom. I think actually we're about halfway, and that there's still a shedload more that can happen in the country in order to get to the bottom. And it does appear that the ANC is dead set on getting to the bottom. Yeah. So you may look at it and go, "Well, things are pretty bad. Well, it may get worse." And I suppose from that perspective, that then kind of raises other complications of, well, what does that mean for the average voter? And as we said. The average voter sits there with this hope that potentially this we are at the bottom. It's only on the way up. And as you rightly pointed out, that leads to a degree of anxiety because most people are sitting there going, well, if only the DA, because it's usually the DA, could get into power, we could fix everything. We'd have like a liberal Western economy. And that leads to a large amount of anxiety with the average individual because they're like, why aren't we there yet? Why haven't the DA come into power? Yeah. And if our by-elections today or anything to go by, the DA are actually on the way down, not the way up. That's the dirty little secret. As we said in a podcast a month ago, the South African vote is fragmenting along ethnic lines, right? We've tried the Rainbow Nation. It hasn't worked out. Everyone's poorer. Well, except if you're a tenderpreneur. But for the most part, everyone's poorer. So what happens if people don't believe in a national idea? They believe in a very localized idea. And the main idea is your identity, where you come from, who you are, what language you speak, what your customs, what your cultural practices are, and all that sort of stuff. And really, once you have that as a mindset in a community, you look for a leader, right? And the Khalids are finding a leader in Gaten McKenzie. That's just the truth. That is the truth. And what Gaten is doing, he's telling the Khalids, listen, you got screwed by apartheid. You're getting screwed by the ANC and the DA, more the DA because he wants to go to the Western Cape. And therefore, you should vote for me because I will fight for you. And he's doing so rather well. And he's getting a lot of votes from the DA, from the Western Cape, from the Khalid community. The digital secret of the Western Cape is the whites are 19% of the population. The Khalids are 50 percent of the population 
the DA won't run the Western Cape without the colours. And I think hopefully it's dawning on them that by treating the PA like a bunch of puss, they might lose the Western Cape to a PA-ANC coalition. If they don't give the PA any route to power, the PA is going to go with the ANC. It is as simple as that. So look at the by-election results. Look at, especially in colored areas, look at the PA growth and the DA, what's the opposite of growth? Decline. And you're going to see an electorate that is splitting apart. We talk a lot about the ANC fragmenting. Now you need to look at how the DA is fragmenting. Yeah, so obviously we're drawing reference specifically to the Tutsi Kamer ward election results, where the PA managed to take a really big size of the vote off the DA. And now obviously the DA has been pushed into place three. They're now the third largest party, not the second. They're not actually the official opposition anymore. The PA is now the official opposition in that ward. But it's important to note that that's, that's a ward the DA has been fighting to win for a very long time. And it appears that in one election result, the PA has kind of pushed the, the DA into, into third place. Mm. What is interesting for the audience is that obviously the EFF lost votes too. They went down from 5% to 4%, which shows the same thing that we've discussed. The EFF are not a party in growth. They're actually a party in decline much like the ANC is. I suppose the big thing to note, though, is that surprisingly, the ANC vote didn't actually go down that much. It only went down by like 3%. It's not a lot. Huh? I mean, the DA lost a lot. The PA gained a lot. EFF didn't really have much to play with. But the ANC's movement, very marginal, very marginal. But it is a Eastern Cape is an anomaly for ANC support. Like it's been steady there since the dawn of democracy for some reason. What do your people, what do they have in your water, Byron, to make your people vote for the ANC like this? <laughs> that's a good question, Ramon. Not what they have in your water, which is cholera. Uh, no, that's not me. Excuse me. That's the DA run Twani municipality. So don't don't come here with your nonsense. We have an ISIS mayor, but we don't have cholera. It's a big difference. But if you look at okay. anti results everywhere else, they're losing to the IFP in KZN, they're losing to the EFF in the north, and they're losing to the DA in sort of the Western Cape as well. So based on this fragmentation of votes along ethnic lines, the only deal that comes to mind for me for 2024 is IFP rules KZN in order, and then they can support the ANC nationally. The PA can rule the Western Cape in alliance with the ANC and kick the DA down the road. And then in return, both of those parties will have a lot of power at the local level, and then they can just give their vote to the ANC at a national level. That's not a shit deal to me. I know people in the comments will be like, oh, how can I think the ANC being in power is a good thing? I'm like, No, I don't think it is, but look, just look at the numbers, right? People aren't going to mm -hmm. vote better. They're not going to vote harder. The DA is not going to get 40%. So at the end of the day, you look at what is possible, not what you want. And what is possible is perhaps an IFPPA ANC coalition. And I don't think that's worse than what we currently have. Yeah, I suppose the big the big question that everyone's gonna have, obviously, 
logically, it's obviously if, if everything he says is true, then where does that leave the ANC? And that means it's still in power. We started off this podcast mm. talking about how the ANC has just gone mad. It's absolutely gone bonkers. The 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 commies are in charge. Are we going to have more commie bullshit in the next, you know, post-2024? Very hot to say, isn't it? I'll tell you what, we are not going to have a post-2024 is Sir Ron as president. <laughs> I think I think I'm fairly confident to say that uh, he won't be around and will probably be poor. But I suppose that also leads that the natural the natural next question, which is if the DA is a party in decline and the ANC are a party in decline, a coalition with the DA and the ANC may be logical come 2024 because it's the only way for the DA now to have any form of relevance. That's going to be very interesting, don't you think? Yeah, but here's the thing. The DA strategically are, are not playing this very well because they don't want to govern in Joburg, as we can see. They don't want to govern in Gauteng other than Tswane, where they have a seat in a sort of majority coalition. But in order for the DA to govern, they want sort of absolute power, and it's not working out for them very well. Um, de Bay fell, Tswane fell, not Tswane, Akuleni fell, Joburg fell, Mohale City fell. And the DA has this knack of pissing off everyone. <laughs> Former DA mm. members, coalition partners, the opposition. Like the DA just piss everyone off for some reason. Maybe it's a cultural thing that I don't know. Will the, what will the DA do with the ANC? Like, I think it's a good deal, ANC-DA. Don't get me wrong. But hear me out. Running a province is very different from running a country. And I don't know if the DA have the ability to run a country. I'm just being honest here. I think the problem is that the that the problem that majority of people fail to understand is, and we've discussed this before, there's deep state issues here. Mm. Huge deep state issues here. You cannot come into power and not deal with the deep state. It cannot be done. Yeah, And that in itself is going to cause complications and problems because when the DA come in, there's a large amount of the deep state that are ANC loyalists because they've all been promoted to those positions by ANC party members. And the DA are just going to piss them off, which means that they will probably grind this place to a halt in the form of governor's performance type of issues that they are promising everybody you're going to get. I don't think you're actually going to get. I think that there's a there's a very fine line to dealing with the civil service. We've seen that. Remember that when, you know, the finance minister came out and said, well, you know, Gordon Guana came out and said, I'm not giving you all a massive pay rise. They virtually burned half the country down. So what's going to happen when the DA come in and they want to, you know, implement forms of austerity? They want to cut the trade union's power. They, 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 I think there's parts of it that they fail to understand nationally it's not as easy as it is in the Western Cape. And even in the Western Cape, they're not, they're not ruthless. They've got huge gangsterism issues. They've got corruption issues with gangsters and housing Absolutely. developments. And they've got huge immigration issues and illegal nope. invasion of land. And they sort of seem rather incapable of dealing with these sort of things. Like they're quite good at like maybe like stopping hijackings or fixing potholes. And that's all good. Don't get me wrong. That, that's all good and it's wonderful. And I'm glad they're doing this. But the DA hasn't had a very good opponent in the Western Cape. So I think no. they may have forgotten how to be ruthless to get their way. 
And I think they're trying to be ruthless at the moment, but the problem is that they've, their brand of ruthlessness just comes across as a brand of Karen-ish, Karen-esque type behavior. And let's face it, nobody actually wants to deal with the Western Cape Karen. I think that's actually the problem that you're having when they go around the country. They're like, every, everywhere they go, they want to speak to so-and-so's manager. You know, and I think that's even the problem that they've got with Gaten. We don't like you, Gaten. Can we speak to your manager? So I am I'm the owner of the party. There's no one higher than me. There's God. You can speak to God. But Yang responding. So you can talk to him, but he's gonna tell you to fuck off. So you can see that that's that approach isn't really gonna work. Now, how would that actual approach work when it comes through with an ANC coalition? Uh Paul Machtile, can I speak to your manager? Vladimir Putin's on the telephone. Hello, how can I help? We insist on four principles. A market economy, non-racialism. He's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I just want manganese, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, yes. like uh, and, and, you know, and, and Byron, I think listeners might, you know, mistake us for saying we don't like the day we, we do we, we like all we, we we are in a unique position of knowing sort of all political parties and we know that and knowing the leadership of them and uh talking to them sometimes and they're coming on the show or we go to them or whatever the case might be so we have this overall sense of what people are thinking and and it just seems to be to me from most of these parties like a lack of South Africa is on the cusp of something revolutionary, but no one wants to lead the revolution. And the DA could be the one leading it, but they don't want to because they're not revolutionary, they're liberal. Like, that's what I'm getting at. And it, it, I don't think it's a good strategy. I could be wrong. No. And it could surprise us tomorrow. Who knows? But for now, it just doesn't seem it's like good, it's yeah. working. No, and I'm, agree- I'm in agreement with that, Ramon. As much as I hate to be, I'm in agreement with that because... Yes, I agree with you. It's important to to let any of the, the viewers know that obviously we've spent a lot of time with the DA. We've spoken to them. We know most of the people there personally, but then we also know most of the other political parties personally, and we spend time with them too. Yeah. I mean, let's take even Herman Mashaba. We've made numerous videos, but we've actually made fun of the guy. But let's face it, if he called us tomorrow morning to go interview him, we'd go interview him and we'd be fair. And we would probably have a laugh and apologize for calling him a puss on a number of occasions. You know, it's we we're not biased in that in that frame. You know, if Jacob Zuma came to us and said, Can can we give him an interview? We'd give him an interview, we'd be fair, and we'd actually give him the time of day to say his piece. Oh, yeah. We're not we're not biased in that in that frame. So it's it's important to caveat that. Because that also means that it shouldn't be beyond the realms for us to criticize those parties too and criticize them we do do. So when it comes through to the DA, the point that we're making is that the DA feels that there's no reproach. They have no reproach. They're they're faultless here. They, their approach is the best. Their approach sucks, man. It's pissing people off left, right, and center. Nobody wants to work with the fuckers. And even now, when you sit there and you actually kind of contemplate what would a coalition between the national government and them look like, you can't fathom it because it just sucks. Yeah. Because you imagine the ANC are like, hey, John, John, we're going to go see Putin today. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not, a pro- I don't agree with his approach to Ukraine. With Ukraine. So, mm. no. Like, <laughs> so, for the sake of. Imagine. 
For the sake of argument, if you had a choice about the sort of cabinet and president after 2024, what is the ideal? Like for me, the ideal would be an opposition coalition, PA, IFP, a, a DA, uh, who else? UDM, whoever. Like like everyone who's not ANC and EFF, right? Maybe Gaten for president, Johnson Hazen deputy president, Corne Mulder, minister of finance, Herma Shaba, head of home affairs, um, and, and you know, and the rest they can pick amongst themselves. But like that would, I would love that as a government of South Africa. And I think it was a possibility after the 2021 elections. But as we can see, the opposition coalition and the Moonshot Pact, no one's talking about that now, are they? Has sort of dismally failed because of egos or because of a lack of strategy or whatever the case might be. <clears throat> so if that's not going to happen, <clears throat> we have to look at alternatives. And alternatives are how can we decrease ANC power as much as possible? And maybe the best way to do that is to put them with like right-wingers, like the IFP and the PA, because then maybe that will temper this madness that we were speaking about earlier. Is it what we want? No. Is it what we're going to get? Possibly. Right? Like, what would you prefer? I want to take a different approach on this. As I'm wearing EFF colors, Juju, you owe me one. Remember, Juju. Right? As I'm wearing EFF colors, i got to ask you a question. Let's cast our mind back to the last national election. The EFF started with the DA on everything. It said, you want a municipality, we give it to you. What the hell happened with the DA to make them despise the EFF so much that they turn around now and go, EFF are public enemy number one. What has the EFF actually done, and I mean physically done, that has meant that the DA have been unable to work with them. Yes, they, on a public record, they go and they say, killer the whiteies. Yes, they go expropriate all your land. They far left party. Yeah, like big deal. Okay. But the EFF still handed them the vote everywhere. But the DA were unable to see past, and if you think about it, Ramon, you know I'm right. They were unable to see past the fact that the EFF threw them out of Nelson Mandela Bay when Trollope was in power. So we're this many years later, and they're still like, yeah, but do you remember that one time at Bank Camp, you threw out and Trollope and you gave the party back to the ANC? Yeah. And so because of that, we can't work with you in any of these municipalities because you're actually only there for the ANC, even though the EFF publicly stated we want the ANC gone. So perfect example to work with the EFF and to use them in a positive way. Ignore all their party conference bullshit. Ignore all the stupid junk they say. Ignore it. But use them for something beneficial. It is possible. The same thing goes now with the PA. They're saying to the PA, we can't work with you. And they're going, why? They're like, well, because you remember the Karen of the of, of Johannesburg, you chucked her out. And because of that, you gave everything back to the ANC. Now, because of that, we can't work with you. So it's, it's a constant same thing. The DA take this, and we've said it on a number of occasions, they take a purity test. If you don't match the purity test, now what? They don't want to work with you. And they publicly state, we will never work with you because we will never trust you again. 
Now, as a member of the electorate, because I have to vote, as do you, I personally don't appreciate that approach. They say they're doing it to attract people like us. And if you think about it, Ramon, we're their ideal demographic, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're the people the DA want the most. And we're looking at it going, come on, guys, this isn't the right approach. So when the DA goes out and says, well, we want a moonshot pact, but we don't want to work with everybody ever who's had a difference of opinion with us. Wasn't that everyone? Everyone, including your own voters, have had a difference of opinion with you. Are you arrogant enough to exclude all of us? Because if you are, I'm going to have to find a different political party to vote for. And with that being said, is it then any surprise the parties like the D the PA are actually on the way up? I mean, the DA is basically telling them, fuck off and go find another party. Is it any surprise that they are? Yeah, it's not really a surprise now, is it? And and I think trying to lump, like I see the DA messaging is like oh, ANC plus PA, you know, the PA is in the pocket of the ANC. It's like, well, yeah, you're not giving them much choice. Like, you know, the PA can make their own choices and, and whatever they want to do, that's perfectly fine. But if the main opposition party is not giving the time of day to the PA and they want to be in power why wouldn't they go with the ANC? I'm not defending it. Well, wouldn't you? It's just strategically sound. I would probably do the same thing, even though I detest the ANC Absolutely. completely. Right? Absolutely. Because now it allows you to show your voters that A, you are in power, and B, you can provide service delivery or whatever it is you wish to do. On that note, though, in Joburg, I'm going to give credence to the PA and Kenu Kinene, who's the MMC for transport here. And I must admit, the roads are looking better than ever. Potholes that haven't been fixed in five years are being fixed. The highways are clean. They were cutting the grass on the weekends. Small things, yes, I know. But I'm seeing an improvement under this particular government, even though our mayor doesn't have a metric. And Kenny Kinene can take credit for that as the sort of PA representative in the mayoral committee. So kudos to him. I think that's a smart strategy for the PA to pursue because people like me who don't vote PA or don't really know much about the PA before we met Gates and McKenzie in Burford West would say, oh, my shit's getting done here. You know, who's responsible? Oh, the PA is. Interesting. So the strategy is working for the PA completely. That's right. It's not working for the DA though, because they're not in power. When they were in power, I didn't notice anything different. With not the PA at all. In power, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say that with the DA in power in Nelson Mandela Bay, that's how I saw a big difference, mate. I mean, I discussed this with you. Yes, I know that they were working on certain areas. I know that, and I only know that because of what they told me in their public profiles. But what did I actually visually see? Well, I didn't see a big improvement. I'll tell you yeah. what, I did see a big improvement on my bill. Because this is one of the things now that seems to happen quite a bit when the DA takes over certain places. They raise they raise the bills. Well, they have to fund service delivery, right? Which which sort of makes sense. I, I, I can understand why they do that. But it's not a great look. Because, I mean, how difficult is it to cut the grass? Or, you know, to fix a payment whenever there is a budget? Like, just do it and, and film it and show the world what the fuck you're doing. And then... I'm like, hey, cool, they're actually fixing something. That's great. Mate, you should drive around, you should drive around um Nelson Mandela Bay. We've got sign signboards that are collapsing. Actual signpost boards saying you have signboards? 
What are those? They've they've falling off places. We got street lamps that are all bent. You go up the N one, mate. Like virtually every street lamp's bent or at angles. You go around the city. There's whole street lamps that have been hit by cars in an accident that are like half falling over. These things have been like this for a very long time and they don't get repaired. Go near Bay West, which is one of the shopping centers here. Like some cable thieves came and chopped down the the light poles and stole the copper out of them. The light poles are still on the floor, man. <laughs> like nobody's even bothered fixing it. Oh, really? They cut they they cut down some robots so near Bay West, stole all the copper copper out of them. Do you know what they did? They, they replaced them with stop signs, stop streets. They didn't repair the, the traffic lights. They just put what new ones there. Go on Cape Road. The amount of traffic lights there that are smashed that have all been hit by cars like flying down the road and then they veer off. Nothing gets repaired ever. And the point that I'm making is that these are main areas. These are like the main economic areas. And the DA, even when they were in power, did not fix it. So do you think that for me... As a member of this municipality, do you think I give a shit if it's PA, ANC, DA? It doesn't make a difference, mate. Nothing really changes. Yeah, I, I stopped caring quite a while ago. I was very excited when Herma Shaba was mayor. Like 2016, boom, first time in my life there's like a, a mayor that's not ANC. I was like, yeah, man, this is like a watershed moment in South African history. Well, that that flopped. <laughs> I feel a bit dumb thinking how optimistic I was back then. And then when he left three years later, like the only difference was my rates went up quite a lot, but nothing else. Oh, he did call us racist a few times at the white people of, of Joburg for demanding services that we pay for. I mean, the audacity, right? The audacity. Um, but no, there is no real difference. And I think that the, the DA have this view that, well, if we can't really make a difference, it's better not govern. Whereas I'm saying, govern at all costs and show the world how difficult it is to do it. Yeah, and you know, you think about it like the whole the Moonshot Pact was called by the DA, and it was right. called in a direct response to the potential of an ANC EFF coalition. Remember, EFF's number one, and the worst thing to happen in South Africa would be ANC EFF. Right after calling for the pact for every political party to work together with them, said, Yeah, but uh, here's a list of all the parties we don't want to work with. Uh, Algemar, EFF, PA. Like, mate, how many parties are there going to be actual left here in order for you to have this moonshot pact with? You basically yeah. don't want to work with anybody that's ever competed against you in a by-election ever. Well, that's all of them, mate. So, moonshot pact is just a is is it just the new name for for the DA? Maybe it's the new branding. Seems dumb, man. The whole thing's dumb. Yeah, and I, I, you know, this podcast is not like a DA bashing exercise by any means. Like, we want them to do well because we think there's an opportunity to change South Africa forever, but just the strategy is just not just not working at the moment. And it's a bit of a pity. And if the opposition is divided, then the ANC will win by hook or by crook in time to come as well. So there's no real meaningful political change. And even looking at the polling data, ANC is still at 51%. You say otherwise? People say otherwise, but I think they've got a real possibility of getting 50%, and all this is rather moot in that case. We wasted a whole hour of your time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what can I say, my friend? What can I say? Yeah. 
not as you say TIA 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 my friends everyone must watch Blood Diamond to get that reference it's a very good movie because she says are you Zimbabwe he's like no Rhodesian yeah DiCaprio is actually pretty good in that movie worth a watch I think Blood Diamond is Blood Diamond and Lord of War are the two movies you need to watch to understand Africa don't focus on Out of Africa or bullshit like that focus on Lord of War with Nicolas Cage and Blood Diamond with Leo DiCaprio. Like those two movies explain Africa extremely well. And if you understand Africa, you understand South Africa and you understand why it's TIA. So that's Hello, everyone. We could suppose end off this uh, podcast by actually asking you a question then. And we'll ask you this question and we'll let you explain to the ladies and gentlemen at home. Why are you bullish then on Africa? If you know all of this, we all just sat here going, ah, there's no hope. Why are you bullish on Africa, my friend? Why are you bullish? Uh, well, I think hope is something that, that destroys action. Um, and Africa, I'm very bullish on Africa because the multipolar world is coming um, and Russia and China are are here and they are actually making it quite a lot safer. I've actually spoken, I've spoken to a Mali, Yin, Mali, and someone from Mali, and I said, you know, how's the Wagner group in Mali? And he's like, it's great, man. They're killing all our enemies, like the Islamic terrorists that are preventing us from doing anything. And in return, we're giving them like manganese and shit like that. So I said, okay, so it's working out. Yeah, it worked out so well for us. And democracy is like, oh, we don't really care about that. We just want a long-term plan for Mali, which is a, a shithole of a country. And Russia is allowing them to do so. And what Russia and China do is they build infrastructure, they extract the minerals in return, and if you can't pay, they just sort of expropriate what they built. It's working. It's creating jobs. Uh, they don't. They're not pushing any form of morality onto it at all, unlike the West. And therefore, I think if the multipolar world is a real thing, and I think if the South African state continues to de-escalate in power and become well as incompetent as the ANC itself. South Africa is on the precipice of being a pioneering stateless society where you can build your enclave system and make it the freest country in the world. I would argue we really are the freest country in the world um, because you can do whatever the hell you want. You just need to hedge your risks and most people can do that. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, joining us for this podcast. Hopefully you found it interesting. As per usual, like, share, subscribe, join the Morning Shop page. And if you would like to actually watch this video and actually see Ramon and I, please don't uh, think twice about actually joining Subscap as a uh, paid member. If you do, if you join as a paid member, you help fund the work that we do and you get to watch us uh, on camera rather than just listen to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining and uh, see you soon.